0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 22. So David's in the stronghold. Uh, I'm assuming that the 400 men have gone with him. And the prophet verse 5 Gad said to David, maybe through a messenger, he could have been there personally. Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed. He obeyed the word of the Lord through the prophet Gad, and Gad will be prominent in his life for uh, years to come. So David departed and went into the forest of Hareth so here, a word comes from God, and remember, David says, I, I don't know what God's gonna do for me, but until he, until I know, take care of my parents. Give them sanctuary, and then a word comes. Have, have you ever experienced that? You're waiting upon the Lord. You don't know which way things are gonna go, but then God gives you a piece of the puzzle, and a word comes, and God says, move. I don't want you staying there. I want you to go, and David obeys the word of the Lord. You may have come through a messenger. We're going to uh, have a flashback, a slight flashback in verse 6. The forest of hareth by the way, we don't know exactly where it is. Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the Tamarisk tree. He tends to sit under trees. We've seen this before. Uh, on the height with his spear. We know that he was probably having visions of putting it through David because he had already tried that. He already tried to uh, Pierce Jonathan, had a spear in his hand. He's sitting under the tree, and all his servants were standing around him. Now, if you had two doors that someone offered to you, and you said, "Okay," someone said to you, "Okay, uh, here's your options. You can serve this dude David, uh, prices on his head. He, he tends to stay in caves, or King Saul. He's seems to be resting comfortably under a tree, surrounded by servants." Uh, They don't look as motley as David's crew. And uh, he looks like things are cool and he's in control. If you had the choice, which would you choose? Put yourself in the story. This is what the Jews say when you read Old Testament stories. Put yourself in the story. What would you do? Who would you follow right now? You know, to follow David is not comfortable. And to follow Jesus on this earth is not necessarily comfortable. In fact, it may get less and less comfortable for us in this country. you agree? But there's no place else I'd rather be. Even if it's in a cave. But you're sitting in a cushy chair with air conditioning on and you know cookies are coming, so <laughs> count your blessings. Isn't it amazing what we can whine about? So there's Saul, He's quite a contrast. He's the hunter. David is the hunted. All these disenfranchised people. You know, people sometimes look at the church and they go, wow, what a motley (laughs) crew!" And that's why you say to them, well, that's why you're welcome here. You can be one of us. There's no, you know, not many noble, not many wise, but hey, here we are. Saved by grace. And Saul said to his servants who stood around him, here now, O Benjamites, that's his tribe. So he's, got people in prominent positions from his own tribe. Well, the son of Jesse, now he's, this is like a, think of a speech like a commanding officer or a football coach. He's about to give the speech to the troops now. He's heard where David is and um, I think this, this is probably why the message came from Gad to David to move because this is why I'm saying it's a flashback probably slightly because I think the message came from Gad because Saul got information where David was and so Gad's word said, move. And that's just the Lord's protection. So Saul said to his servants who stood around him, here now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give to you all, uh, all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Look, if you guys are thinking about some sort of conspiracy or some sort of coup, uh, I just want you to know, will he do for you what I've done for you, brothers? I mean, you can hear kind of a, a a tone behind the speech of Saul, and I can hear the voice of Satan. Oh, if you go follow that Christ, will he do for you? Look at your life now that you become a Christian. Yeah, but what the enemy often does to us is he doesn't remind us of all the turmoil and disaster we were in before we knew Christ, right? That can easily be stripped from your memory bank and you start just thinking about, well, my life was less complicated when I was medicated <laughs> yeah yeah it was killing you now look at Saul he says for all of you <laughs> this is not a way to motivate a team for all of you can have conspired against me so that there is no one who discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse nobody tells me anything anymore <laughs> I'm always the last to know around here. My son is in covenant with that. I wouldn't even say his name. He's a son of Jesse. I'm not calling him David. And there's none of you who, can you feel the people? who feel sorry for me. Or disclose it to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. They've got a whole plan. I know it. David's probably behind a bush somewhere right over there. And none of you people, you don't feel sorry for me. You don't. (laughs) Anybody relate to this one? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody understands me. You're all against me. You see the people, Saul's servants, looking around, sheesh, what what do you have for breakfast? I don't know. Saul is a tortured soul. Don't be fooled by appearances. Oh, he's sitting under the tree with his spear and his people around him, fanning him, ready to move at his beck and call. He's he's so messed up. All he can think about is a man who's running from him. He's not lying in wait to ambush Saul later in a few chapters, he'll have a chance to kill Saul and he won't even touch him. It's all something that Saul's created in his head. He's created this whole conspiracy in his head, and it's killing him, and he's haunted by it. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, we saw him in chapter 21, answered and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob. If you were here in 21.7, if you look back for a second, when David went to Nob, now one of the servants, 21.7 of Saul, was there that day detained uh, that word can simply mean held back before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, not an Israelite. He was the chief of Saul's shepherds. He perhaps resided over the royal guard. That, I think that's the uh, one way to say it, or the uh, Revised Standard Version calls him in charge of Saul's servants. He was there. He saw David. He saw him go to the priest. And he, as, uh, if you go back to 22, He says, I saw him coming to Nob to uh, Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord, verse 10, chapter 22, for him. He gave him provisions. Remember, it was the holy bread. And he gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Okay, Saul, if you're troubled and you want information, and nobody seems to be talking to Saul. Everybody just sitting there like, jeez. And finally Doeg, he steps up. Yeah, I saw him. He was in Nob, and, and this priest helped him out. And he inquired for him. Now, I want to show you one more psalm. Go to Psalm 52. Psalm 52. And Doeg is going to tell on David. And here's a psalm. David reflected on this moment in the psalm. Look at the heading. A Maskil of David when Doeg, the Edomite, look at the top of Psalm 52, came and told Saul and said to him, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Now he writes this about Doeg and you're going to see how on the mark this is about this man. He says, why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The loving kindness of God endures all day long. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, O worker of deceit. You love evil, Psalm 52, 3, more than good, falsehood more than speaking what is right, Selah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch you up and tear you away from your tent and uproot you from the land of the living, Selah. And the righteous will see in fear and will laugh at him saying, behold, the man who would not make God his refuge but trusted in the abundance of his riches and was strong in his evil desire. But as for me, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will give thanks uh, forever because thou has done it and I will wait on thy name for it is good in the presence of thy godly ones. Back to First Samuel, we'll finish it. Do you see how many times David has to park and ride, write about um, things that are going on in his life. And even in that psalm, it's a psalm of knowing that Doeg is going to get his just due from God. So the king hears about the provision that he received from Ahimelech 22.11. And the king sent someone to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahatub, and all his father's household, the priests who were in Nob. And it would appear that all these priests were serving in some sort of tabernacle that was in Nob. We saw that because the holy bread was there and so forth. And all of them came to the king, I'm sure with some fear and trepidation. And Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, here I am, Lord. Saul then said to him, why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him that he should rise up against me by lying in ambush as as it is this day? Now think of it, all the priests have come from Nob in some sort of a formal ceremony before the king of Israel, and this may be some sort of judicial setting. Think of a court scene, and Saul begins to press the priest. Have you done this for my sworn enemy? Are you conspiring against me? Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among you, who among all your servants is as faithful as David? You can see Saul's face twisting. Even the king's son-in-law who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house. Did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father. Your servant knows nothing at all of this whole affair. I mean, Ahimelech says, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I did my priestly duty, but there's no conspiracy. And if there is, I don't know about it. So please don't charge this to my account. But the king said, you shall surely die. Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. Think of the contrast between Saul and David. David protects his father's household, but what does Saul do? He wants to destroy everybody who he thinks may even be against him. And the king said to the guards who were attending him, turn around and put the priests of the Lord to death. We're going to find out there were 85 priests standing there. 85 men who serve in the temple uh, worshiping God and the king now, he doesn't have the evidence, he doesn't have the right to, to make this pronouncement, but he does it and he tells his guards, kill them all because their hand also is with David and because they knew that he was fleeing and did not, wh- what? I thought he was lying in ambush. no. Now the truth comes out. They knew he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me, but the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests of the Lord. Everyone looked at each other and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not killing these holy guys, no way. Earlier in one of the chapters, it was like 14 or 15, do you remember when Saul wants to put his own son to death for taking a little bit of the honey oat cereal? remember that? It wasn't cereal. But remember, he, he stuck his staff in the honey, and, and Saul wants to kill him. And the people said, no, you're not touching the hair of his head. Nobody's dying today. And they defied the king. And so far, so good. It looks like maybe the priest will be spared because nobody wants to do it. Nope, nope. Then the king said to here's this guy. I think we'll just start calling him dog. He said, you turn around and attack the priest. And it seems like Doeg is trying to climb the corporate ladder and please the king. And Doeg, the Edomite, turned around, maybe because he didn't have the religious scruples, and he attacked the priests and he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. Can you imagine? What an ugly, terrible scene this must have been. And apparently the other guards, they wouldn't do it, but they didn't stop Doeg and he killed 85 priests. Now, sometimes when we see a news report in our world and we go, what? A church was attacked or a leader was killed or these people, and we say, well, where was the Lord in those situations? Well, the Lord hasn't moved, but even in Old Testament accounts, in God's permissive will, he lets all do this. But there's an interesting twist on this. Way back in 1 Samuel 2, there was a judgment pronounced on the house of Eli and it said that his sons were going to die by the sword. And in some way, in God's sovereignty and providence, this act of treachery is something that God prophesied. And it goes all the way back to Eli. I don't understand all of that, Everybody involved is still culpable, and especially Saul. But all these men die. And it didn't stop there because he struck Nob. He went back to the city where the tabernacle was, or a temple was, the city of the priests with the edge of the sword. And look at what he did, both men and women, children and infants, also oxen, donkey, and sheep. He struck with the edge of the sword and Doeg did in Nob what even Saul wouldn't do to the Amalekites. Saul was told to wipe out everything. He failed to do that. But Doeg went into the holy city, at least at this point in time, before there's, it's all hosted in Jerusalem, and killed everybody. This was a time of tragedy, total destruction. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahatub, and I would encourage you go back and read the prophecy of First Samuel 2:31 uh, through 33, and you're going to see this was predicted. Even someone getting away. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Who is responsible for the death of the priests? Does he says Do- does he say Doeg killed them all? Now he holds who responsible? Saul. Saul did not apparently carry out the personal execution, but he is culpable for the death of all of those priests. I know you all have been seeing the videos going around about Planned Parenthood. They're selling body parts of aborted babies on the public market for the highest bidder apparently. And they say it, they talk about selling body parts of aborted babies over dinner. They drink their wine, eat their salad, and they talk about it like it's nothing. And they are culpable before Almighty God. Now, we know that there are people who make mistakes in life. We've all made them. People who are leaving that industry, praise God. But I'll tell you what, if they don't repent, there is some, a serious day of reckoning coming. Then David said to Abiathar 22, I knew on the day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. It was something that was in the pit of David's stomach. And I want you to see something about a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart will not only protect his family, he will take responsibility. And David said, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. It's my fault. You know, there's a refreshing uh, reality in our world. I'm sure you've noticed. It's so shocking when someone actually tells the truth and takes responsibility. It's, it's so rare that people can't help to be drawn to people like that. Instead of somebody dodging the truth and telling stories, they just say, "I'm at fault." And David isn't really directly even at fault because when he went to the priest of Nob, it's true he made up a story. And some people might say, well, why did he tell uh, the priest of Nob, Ahimelech, that he was on the king's business? Well, some people say, well, he just made up a story. But maybe he said it because he didn't want a Ahimelech to be in danger. We don't know. We don't know for sure. David, when he hears the news... Think of what he just heard. Saul has killed every priest and everybody in the city of Nob is dead. And David is just devastated. And he says, I knew this guy was going to go report it to Saul. What do you think that David was thinking he should have done different? Some people say, well, they're saying that he shouldn't have told a false story to Ahimelech. Maybe. But remember, David was a warrior. And David may be saying, I should have taken Doeg out so he didn't have a chance to go report to the king. It's quite possible that David is saying, I should have dealt with him back there because I knew that this was going to happen. I don't know how far you want to push that application for your own personal life. I'm sure there's some application there. <laughs> We're not ta- talking about taking people out, but we are talking about maybe dealing with stuff that doesn't end up catching up to you and then hurting a bunch of people around you. So David takes the blame and he says in this final verse, stay with me. Do not be afraid for he who seeks my life seeks your life. And then he says these beautiful words. For you are safe with me want to end with this note. You Remember how I told you that you can see some principles of being a man or a woman after God's own heart in the life of David? And you can also see a type of the Messiah in the life of David. Read these words with the Messiah in mind. Stay with me. Look at verse 23. I, all want, I want you all to apply this to your life because this verse jumped off the page and. I believe that God is speaking this to us tonight. Our Messiah would say this to us tonight. Read it with maybe those fresh eyes. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. And skip forward to the end. For you are safe with me. I hope you can apply that to your life tonight. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. You are safe with me. Lord, thank you that in the shadow of your wings we find safety. In a crazy world filled with souls and crazy things. And sometimes, Lord, it's not even the things on the outside, it's the things that we wrestle with on the inside. It's our own accusing voice and shortcomings and dealing with stuff that we just go through that um, we need to just be reminded that you say, stay with me. Don't be afraid. You're safe with me. Such good news tonight, Lord. In a world where there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of safe places and safe, often safe people, we are safe with you. Our hearts are safe. Our souls are safe. And we want to just rest in that tonight. We don't want to put our hope in the souls of the world. We know where that will get us. But in the anointed one, in the Messiah, in the greater David, in the true king, we can place our rest and hope. And I pray that that would give us encouragement tonight. All of us would take rest in what you've spoken. Whatever's been from me, not of value, let people forget it, Lord. Whatever's been from your Holy Spirit, let it percolate in our souls let us stand upon the promises of God and move forward and press on in our lives and find great and abiding fruit. If you're not a Christian tonight, run to the feet of the Messiah. Trust in his finished work on the cross, his resurrection. He loves you. He will say it to you tonight. I believe he would say it to you. Stay with me. Come to me for you're safe with me. Don't be afraid. So if you need to make that commitment to him tonight, just Something like this. Jesus, come into my life. Pray it right now if it's you. I'm a sinner. I've failed. I've fallen short. Thank you that you came into this world to die on that cross and rise from the dead. I trust in you as my Savior and my Lord. Please save me, Lord. If you're a Christian tonight and you've just been dealing with some heavy stuff, may you find refuge afresh in the Lord and in His spoken word, revealed word to us. May you just rest afresh in him. May he impart to you all the blessings that knowing him means. And Lord, for the precious congregation here at Living Truth, just bless them, keep them. Let your glorious face shine upon them and give them shalom, peace. In Christ's name, amen. A couple of things at the end of this chapter. David accepted responsibility. This is what a real man does. But David also provided safety to others. He was willing to stand and be a man, be a covering for others as well. And so the words of David echo down the corridor of time into the heart of every Christian who is trusted in the Messiah. For we know that he is king. And if you have chosen to follow him, He will say to you, "Don't be afraid. You are safe with me." The the words of Romans 8 are beautiful words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from His love? Nothing and no one. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Paul says, "I am convinced." that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Jesus says to you and to me, stay with me. There's room in the cave for you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you've not met Christ and you've not entered into that rest, there remains a rest. It's available, but you must enter into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, he'll provide a beautiful rest, a rest for the soul, a rest that can even come when circumstances aren't the best and you find yourself in a cave. Yet deep in your soul, you still have rest with God. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.